0: and welcome to this Unpacked Short. I, Charlie Pickles, am joined by Peter Franklin. Hello. Our Unpacked guru, as I'm sure you're all aware. And also, for the third time in a row, special guest, Seb Shiro. Good to be here. Hello. Welcome. Uh, We are talking big tech and banks today. And in particular, uh, asking the question, I suppose, slightly, would you bank with Google Bank or Facebook Bank? I'm going to ask you both to answer that question before we... Uh, dive into the unpack. So Seb, would you? Yes. Peter,
1: would you? Facebook Bank, definitely not. I deleted my Facebook page 10 years ago and I don't regret that at all. But Google Bank? Uh, well, it depends if they could offer me a service that my conventional bank can't.
0: Well, and that is the interesting question. So Peter, why are we talking about this today?
1: Um, well, it's to do with uh, an article on, uh, in Bloomberg by uh, Lionel Lawrence and, um, or maybe Lionel Laurent, I don't know. But Showing um, off your <laughs> Absolutely. Oh um but uh, it's a fascinating piece in which he um he provides a, a description of a business and um it sounds like a bank
0: so g- give us give us yes. the headlines of the business Well,
1: for instance it's um a company that uh, has lent a billion dollars to small businesses in in 12 months holds 150 billion dollars of corporate bonds, runs the world's largest money market fund. Now that's… Well hold
0: on Peter, this sounds like a bank to me. It sounds like a bank (laughs) or
1: some other sort of financial institution, Um, but it's not. It's Google, right? Um, And his point is that a lot of the big tech companies are beginning to look an awful lot like banks. Um, And there's implications here. Okay.
2: You've gone a minute in without sort
1: of coining your phrase.
0: Oh, I was going to do that.
1: Come (laughs) on, it's just too good to miss. It's
2: sort of, it's staring at me on this piece of paper. Okay,
1: well, you've all heard about FinTech, which is the use of digital technology by uh, financial companies to to offer new sort of high-tech services. I've reversed that and called and coins, maybe maybe someone else has come up with it, I don't know. No, we're
0: claiming you heard it here first. Well,
1: maybe, but I'm calling it Tech Fin, which is when finance is provided by a technology company. Catchy,
0: catchy. Okay, so I want us first of all, before we go into whether we think this is a good or bad thing, just to touch on the fact that this is a form of what we call shadow finance. And effectively, that means that it's unregulated financial activity. Now, I sort of feel like anything that's called shadow something yes. sounds a little bit ominous.
1: It might not be entirely unregulated, but it's not subject to banking regulation, right? And that's the crucial point, and it's what some of the conventional banks aren't very happy about, that you see these competing businesses that do quite a lot of the same services, but aren't subject to the same kind of um, constraints and controls.
0: Okay, so that's shadow banking. Why might a Google or a Facebook, or I think we've got Alibaba Group, um, why might them getting into
2: finance be a good thing, Seb? I mean, these are companies that do a lot more than they say on the tin, shall we say, we, you know, and we can extrapolate, we'll get back to the banking, but just think about Google, all the business services that Google offers, all the other sort of, uh, the services, the Gmail and all these things that actually when you take a step back control a hell of a lot of our daily life. And also Amazon, for instance, is fascinating. In 2016 they controlled 44.2% of all the web infrastructure Um, compared to Microsoft that was its uh, second uh, biggest distributor at 7.1%. I mean, these figures are important, we'll get back to the banking, but these are really important to understand that these companies are far bigger and far more complicated in the infrastructure that we have. Now, on the banking point, there's a very good reason these people might want to get into banking, because they know everything about us. You think about Amazon, they probably know what you look at, on the internet they know what you buy they know how you behave on their services they know how you interact with retailers that also sell their products they've got a very good idea of how you behave what time you shop what kind of computer you have and what kind of person you are maybe even far more information and knowledge and a better idea of what kind of person you are i wouldn't say than yourself but certainly than your current high street bank.
0: And so what? They they would be able to offer me much more personalised financial products?
2: Perhaps. Or they might also be able to get a far better grasp of how risky a person you are. If you're sort of...
1: Uh, up Charlie's or, very risky. Oh,
2: Charlie's very risky. We all know that, <laughs> don't we? Uh, but if you're sort of sat up at three o'clock in the morning browsing for different... Pieces of electronics and gadgets and so on. I'm not. I know. I'm not. I'm not relating (laughs) this to you, Charlie. Um, But you know, if if that was the kind of person. Would that maybe relate into their decision making engine if they were trying to offer you a loan over somebody like Peter, as we all know that sort of you know sits there researching the next books for the unpacked um, and then totally goes to back at a prompt eight p m and is very responsible and sort of uh, and so on so could we imagine that this kind of information would be fed into uh, to a, a decision on your finance? I would imagine why not if it provides a better answer from their perspective? But there's a question, therefore, going back to your consumer rights issue, do we want all this information to be passed and packaged uh, to determine if we can afford a house or if we're allowed a credit card or a loan and so on?
0: And that's, I mean, that's a really good point, isn't it, Peter? Because, I mean, you raise a question um, in the Unpacked about uh, systemic risk from these banks and and whilst, Mm. uh, I say banks, but from these, these tech in companies, um, which is that, you know, at the moment, the kind of scale of financial activity they're involved in is not meaning that, you know, if one went bust, the taxpayer would have to Mm -hmm. step in. But clearly, there is a risk that um, in due course, if they expand their financial activity, that they would become uh, systemically important to the economy, economies around the world. But even if that weren't to happen, are we really comfortable with the lack of consumer protection?
1: Well, we shouldn't be comfortable at all. Um, in fact, you know, even even before you get to the the tech companies' financial activities, I, I'm not comfortable with the, with the way that they're using their data, our data, at the moment. So, but you know, the, there is a question about the stability of the entire financial system, and to the extent that um, that the, these new actors in the financial sphere become integrated into the system as major players, then they need to be totally, they need to be um, to be uh, regulated accordingly, but not in such a way that protects the old banks from what could be some very much needed competition. So do it for the sake of, regulate for the, the sake of the common good, not for the sake of the established vested interests.
2: But isn't that inherently extremely difficult to do? I mean, you're dealing with with sort of companies that are not really domiciled in any particular jurisdiction, um, that have done everything possible to, shall we say, come up with creative ways of minimising their, their tax liability, uh, and haven't really demonstrated a willingness, over the, certainly over the past few weeks, this has come to light. Um, a willingness to be held accountable by anybody, uh, let alone politicians and regulatory bodies. Um, what makes you think that we could ever get a, uh, a regulatory system, particularly when there's money involved, that would catch these kind of actors?
1: Well, uh, obviously with the financial crisis, um, we got much better at regulating the banks, or at least we think we have. But a lot um, of that was actually yes. about,
0: you know, cr- um, capital levels, reserves. Yes. It was about splitting yes. the risky and the quote yes. safe bank. You know, the retail and the, yes. the uh, investment banks. You know, it, it it was much more about there is a single institution sure. here, and we can we can regulate it, and we can require things of it. I mean, can you do it in the same way with this sort well, of? Well,
1: it's not a single institution. I mean, the, the, we're talking about a lot of different banks around the world. Um, in operating in different jurisdictions. So there's an awful lot of complexity that's already being regulated. But yes, we will have to up our game, um, especially when it comes to these much more technologically sophisticated products. So,
2: so can you env- envisage a, a, a time where we might be applying the same kind of uh Named person and director responsibility frameworks that we have for banks, for instance, uh, to really hold individuals in positions of authority to account. Should anything go wrong, could we? I be might looking...
0: question whether we're really holding bankers to account today.
2: Perhaps, but could we be? In, could we be looking into the future and thinking of a situation where Mark Zuckerberg would be having to face a, a personal uh, inquiry about? Sort of the actions of Facebook banking
1: or something—is that what is that what we're well, going I towards? I think that's exactly what we would have yeah. to do. Okay. Yeah, uh, why not? Be, why not hold individuals accountable? In the end, that's all that counts.
2: But you see, I, I, something that I really come back to here is that. It does, even for somebody that would be perfectly willing to, to sort of take up one of these offers if it was there, and as you say, Peter, if they were offering you something different or doing it in a better way, completely open to that. But there is something a bit mm, shadowy, shall we say, about a data provider or a service that knows where you are, has this sort of uh, total view of your life. If you're thinking about, if you happen to default or if you happen to run into some issues, you can imagine that you can go to your bank manager and say, is there some way that we can come to an accommodation on this? But you think of the power that a, a Facebook has. It knows where you are all the time. It knows who your friends are and all sorts. Imagine them coming after you for money. It does feel a bit a bit shady, didn't you well, think?
1: Well, we already have credit worthiness systems, of you course, that's, do, yeah. that's uh, about as close as we get to the Chinese social credit system yep. already. I was waiting, Peter, yes. for you to get that
0: in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> Please check out unheard.com for more information.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and yes, I, well, I think pro- probably with data confidentiality yeah. and the use of that, we're going to have to establish, you, you know how we have these um, Chinese walls in banking mm. so that people's um, uh, current accounts can't be sort of gambled away on high-risk business investments. Well I think we need the equivalent for information, right? Chinese walls in the way that big companies like Facebook or Google that end up offering a whole range of services can shift personal info- information from one part of the business to the next.
0: Okay, there we go. So Google Bank, Facebook Bank, that is the future. Um, Although hopefully with a bit more regulation and a little (laughs) less shadow around it. Um, Less shadow, Exactly. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Seb and Peter. Uh, Thank you, James, for producing the podcast. Please do join us again. And of course, do subscribe if you haven't already.